A huge financial crisis not seen since 2008 when Bear Stearns went under and then Lehman Brothers went under as well. Well, guess what? Credit Suisse is in big trouble. And what does that mean for the United States? Well, <laughs> for following to the way one bank affects the other banks, this means pain for everyone. We're going to talk about the milkshake theory today, Credit Suisse, their situation in the economy, and some other headlines to highlight for the start of this week. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode. Happy Monday to you all. So Credit Suisse, if you don't know what Credit Suisse is, it's a Swiss bank that has been around for many, many years. It's one of the largest financial services based out of Switzerland. And back in 2008, it was one of the least affected banks when Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and everybody was going under. So they've, they've been known as one of the smartest people in the room. That all stated, Credit Suisse is in big, big trouble right now. In fact, they've made horrible investments over the past several years, and those investments are going under. Their stock price is falling worse than in 2009, and their credit default swaps are worse than in 2009. Their stock price has gone from $15 down to $4, and now their market cap is said to be below their book value. People are saying that they're about to go under. In fact, I was getting text messages about this this weekend. Now, if this happens, we would see a tsunami effect on all other banks. This is bad, bad, bad news. This bank's been around since 1856. All right, this was one of the smartest banks to do your banking with, and they're about to default. Now, their CEO is coming out and telling everybody, don't panic. Everything is completely under control, but that doesn't seem to be what everybody else is looking for. So there's been several months of speculation in the market, as well as the social networks. If you go on Reddit, uh, people talking about this, YouTube. And so the, this is the one of the largest banks in the world, and they're fighting for their survival. This is huge. And it's also going to go into this theory that I didn't know too much about, but I, I tried to learn about it this weekend called the milkshake theory that came out a few years ago. And when I started reading about the milkshake theory and watched a few videos so I can explain to my listeners today, it made me realize what the Federal Reserve is doing. Now, I've been critical of the Federal Reserve for the past uh, several weeks in my shows talking about how I felt that they were just prolonging the pain. But now I'm convinced that they're buying into this milkshake theory to try to destabilize the world economy. I'm convinced that that's probably what's happening right now after seeing this. So I'll, I'll share that with you guys as well. So if we look back a year ago, Credit Suisse had a market value of $22.3 billion. Today, they only have a value of $10.4 billion. Their shares have fallen 56%. Now, when you have this type of a uh, loss, what you have on the books versus what you owe, you're very close to needing to default. Now, I don't have the exact numbers, what's going on in the bank, but I can tell you that 
according to reports, it's been pretty gloomy for them as well. They haven't been happy because they have not renewed contracts of their contractors. So what we're finding is departures are no longer being replaced and talent is leaving the bank left and right. So the writing is on the wall for this bank. Now their CEO uh, has explained that it is a critical moment for the bank and told employees that there are rumors and speculations that will likely become even louder. But he said, the stock price does not reflect the financial health of our firm. In fact, in quotes, he wrote to them, I trust that you are not confusing our day-to-day stock price performance with the strong capital base and liquidity position of the bank. We are in the process of reshaping Credit Suisse for a long-term sustainable future with significant potential for value creation. I am confident we have what it takes to succeed. Now that came out just a, a few days ago, but do they have what's necessary to succeed? And how will this affect the United States dollar and the global uh, supply chain and currency and inflation that everybody has been worried about? Well, right now, uh, Credit Suisse has invested $10 billion of its clients in green soil products. Now, here's the problem. (laughs) The investors that have abandoned Greensill filed for bankruptcy March of 2021, which means $10 billion was a horrible, horrible investment. So it's possible. Could Credit Suisse get more money? Well, look at the interest rates. Look what's happening right now. So if they're to borrow money so they don't default, that would be a big problem. So the problem is when we look back is October 27th, Credit Suisse is going to need to avoid filing for bankruptcy by this date. They're going to have to uh, figure out what their banking activities look like, what the speculates look like on the market, figure out what they need to do or else everything's going to tank. And I've been thinking that we're going to kind of hit the pain right after the elections. And this is all lining up, right? So even though this is a Switzerland bank, October 27th, figure we'll have our elections in November. And then what happens should this fall? Well, in order to understand that, we have to got to address the dollar milkshake theory. Now, the dollar milkshake theory, I, I was completely unaware of. So I had to watch some videos to kind of figure out what this means for everybody. So first and foremost, if you've never heard of the dollar milkshake theory, it basically states that everybody's drinking a milkshake and one person has a really long straw and they can drink from anybody else's milkshake that they wish to. And so that person with the long straw is the United States. And the reason it's the United States is because most of the world relies on green banks, greenbacks, in order to stabilize the economy. The dollar is the strong point. And we had heard years ago about, you know, the dollars weakening towards the euro or how the uh, Canadian money and the loonie is rising. Well, that's not the case anymore. Since the pandemic and since the Fed has started working on uh, raising interest rates, the milkshake theory means that the dollar is getting stronger and stronger and everybody else's is starting to crash. And the person who coined this phrase, his name is Brent Johnson of Santiago Capital. And so 
his basic theory is all currencies are doomed because they're not actually valuable. But the dollar is slightly better than all of those other currencies because they're the favorite child. It's the one that the world has actually been using. But when the Federal Reserve stops making more dollars, then the milkshake becomes frothy and demand for existing dollars goes up. And that's what we're seeing right now. So as the demand for existing dollars goes up, guess what? The euro goes down, the loonie goes down, the ruble goes down. All world economies start to crash against the United States dollar. And then when the United States is ready to take a sip from the dollar, it further drains everybody. So as far as inflation goes, when we're looking at imports and exports, the other countries start increasing their prices and increasing inflation during this first stage on what gets imported into the United States. When we export things, we're not able to raise the price and inflate it. We actually have recessionary measures because those countries cannot afford to purchase at the cost of the weakened currency that they have. So we're drinking from everybody else's milkshake and completely destroying their economy. And so it becomes a global problem. Now, in the final stage, inflation stops and we've completely destabilized the economy. Banks such as Credit Suisse will have to default. And let's be honest, like I believe I just read a report that 20% of uh, companies right now on the stock market are close to default due to interest rates and not being able to purchase back uh, what's going on. So 20% of those listed on the S&P. I, I got to find that story too to get a little bit more information. But so companies like Credit Suisse, when they go under, any bank that wants to lend them money is now borrowing at a higher interest rate because interest rates are rising all across the world. On top of that, we have default after default in country after country. And as they continue the default, they're borrowing back to the dollar because that, again, is this favorite chi uh, child. It is the default currency that everybody's going to go back to. So when everybody starts drinking of America's currency, it leads to only one road that I can imagine. And the only thing that I can see happening is the fact that once the United States has everybody where they need them, by not really by anything intentional, I, I don't believe. I believe this is kind of like an accidental consequence of having a strong dollar. Eventually, we got to come out with a centralized currency because the world is going to need it. So this Swiss bank going under right now, this is one of the largest stories that you can listen to that may not be out there anywhere else. Uh, you're going to want to find out what is happening with Credit Suisse absolutely immediately throughout this week and follow this up to October or 27th, October 27th. Um, the CEO is currently trying to calm everybody. The default is not happening. I'm telling everybody that they got uh, lots of ways to, to get around this. Uh, the wall street journal is basically saying these are just talking points um, with everything down so much. It's not looking good whatsoever. And so this milkshake theory, you know, I talked to the uneducated economist about a month ago and he said, you know, what's going to end up happening is they'll bring in this digital currency. And when you get this digital currency, they will offer negative interest rates in order to get you to trade in your greenbacks, get rid of the dollar. 
And then all governments will then have the same type of regulations and be in the same place. And so when you talk about like a new world order, when you talk about a world economic form and a plan, this is all playing perfectly into the coming storm of just, it's really, it's a perfect storm of financial collapse, financial uncertainties, supply chain issues. Um, and it all just, it's, it's really, really scary when you think about the fact that there's not much of a way to prepare for this, except, except if you can get your money into two probably places that may work. And I got to be honest, I don't know that either of these is the correct solution, but this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin that everybody keeps talking about, as long as they can keep it out of being centralized by government, as long as they can continue it in the scripts, it likely will be one of the biggest competitors to whatever's coming. And so it's dipping right now. It's around $17,000. And I had seen speculation a few years ago that Bitcoin, once it finally, you know, uh, makes it to where it should be, should be worth about $250,000 per Bitcoin. And I thought that that was a ludicrous figure. And then I watched it go up to $30,000. But here's what could happen. Bitcoin really could have the sky as the limit if people are looking to control the economic destabilization that's going to happen with this milkshake theory that was coined. If when Credit Suisse goes under, we have a stable coin, a stable uh, digital currency, then that could, could save the market. The problem is if the person who creates Bitcoin ever comes out and cashes in, the whole thing will crash. So I don't think that that's that good of a thing. The next part is we can look at precious metals. Anytime uh, precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, whatever it may be, that is another place that normally in most markets stays valuable. That all stated, if no one has any money, if the dollars are all drying up, who's buying the, the gold, the silver, the platinum? So again, I can't say that's not without risk. I can't say that that's a, a great option, but I definitely think it's a, it's a solid option. Precious metals seem like they will always be uh, valuable. And then there's another uh, metal at this point, niobium. Now, niobium uh, will be necessary in order to make all these electric vehicles and everything else. And so there are companies right now in the United States that are mining that. Uh, we need those for our, our chips to put in the cars and a bunch of other things. So these are kind of like the three areas that I think that I'm not giving my listeners any financial advice. I would just tell you this. Digital currency that's not centralized in any major bank that's that's run by software, I believe that that is a, a solid investment. Precious metals have always survived the test of time. It's why I, I partnered up with ourgoldguy.com. All right, I'm not trying to turn this into a commercial, uh, but I partnered up with IRA there because, yes, precious metals, they seem to be one of the best investments you can make. And then lastly but not least, niobium. If that's what the entire world is going to move towards, then I would start investing in it now um, than waiting till later. That all stated, if everything just goes to crap and we have to have a war because there's no other way out of this, buckle up, everybody. We'll be right back after uh, this short break here. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. 
the average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Top of the show, we were talking more about Credit Suisse and the coming financial collapse that I believe at this point we're going to see happen. But I want to switch focus now. I, I, I got together with some friends I haven't seen in forever over the weekend. And one of the individuals that I was speaking with was telling me about what she is seeing in her position at the hospital. And I, I can't say names because... Uh, anytime people talk to me about these type of things, everybody always is afraid for their job and going on the record, but they're seeing more and more STDs, autoimmune system problems. Uh, they're seeing more and more seizures, uh, blood clots. And as we're having this conversation, I just asked, you know, all right, do we have a control group? Can we tell if this is COVID, if this is vaccine related? And this individual that I was that I spoke to felt that it was vaccine related. Now, other people at the party were like, hey, the vaccine's not going to kill me. I'm perfectly fine. This doesn't take me out. This doesn't take me out. That's fine, well, and good too. But I'm very curious about the people that are on the front lines working in the hospitals. And so this person's perspective I felt was valid. I wanted to learn more about what they saw. And then lo and behold, I come home and the next day on Saturday, I get sent a movie, Safe and Effective, A Second Opinion. Now, this movie is produced in the UK and it shares stories of people who were harmed directly by the different vaccines. And it's not just AstraZeneca. It's talking about the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine. And I found this movie to not be the usual, sometimes when you get into the stuff, it gets into like the conspiratorial type things. It wasn't that way whatsoever. It was a really uh, balanced and well done story of talking about how there wasn't really uh, enough pharmaceutical trials to regulate these uh, type of process. And now people are truly suffering. And I, I found this to be absolutely uh, heartbreaking 
to watch these individual stories. Now, I got to interview Susanna Newell uh, a few weeks ago, and I was heartbroken that, to hear her story. But to see that this is something that's being handled in a completely different way in Europe than we are in the United States uh, gave me a little bit of hope and also angered me because it's not being handled nearly well enough. And so if you haven't had a chance, if you just type in safe and effective, a second opinion by Oracle films, it's on YouTube. You can watch that movie. It's going to take you about 58 minutes. I think was the runtime to get through there. Um, the, this gentleman, Mark Sharman uh, produced it with Oracle films. Um, it was self-financed. Uh, so there's uh, no other outside uh, interests that were, that were financing that, but there's a couple doctors in there that I've reached out to because I would like to interview them myself. I want to learn a little bit more about what they're talking about. Not only that, but I have an interview this week uh, coming up with somebody who is a whistleblower that worked advisor who's about to blow the door open. We're talking probably one of the largest lawsuits in the history of uh, <laughs> lawsuits in what could be awarded because of the information that this individual has against visor and that show will be coming up uh by the end of the week I'm, I'm doing that interview on i believe it is tuesday so i'll either have the interview by wednesday or thursday for you so keep keep coming back to america and bolden for that but yes safe and effective a second opinion now as i'm watching this movie a lot of the talking points are coming back to my conversation on friday night with this person who's working in surgery and at the hospital and seeing all of these same things that are happening to people. And then you start going, look, this isn't accidental, right? It's not accidental that we're seeing more and more of this stuff all at the same time period right now. We got to pay attention to it. And then what happens? A friend of mine sends me a podcast uh, with a doctor talking about what's going on. And I listen to that and it further uh, talks about how the spike protein in these vaccines is continuing on in people for months after vaccination that the body is creating its own autoimmune response and attacking and it's activating cancers. Now what's interesting is going back to the studies in the 1990s of MRNA, we saw this in the rats. We saw this in the mice that were being used. So this shouldn't be shocking the people, but <laughs> We promised people better, didn't we? We promised people safe and effective. We promised people that this was going to bring an end to the pandemic. But we were sold a lie, and there is no way that anybody can do anything to sue the pharmaceutical industry because our government and the world's governments gave all of these people's immunity for their actions. And that's a problem. You know, we talk about, you know, people that are fighting things. J.J. Watt, one of the elite athletes, went into AFib earlier this week and had to have his heart electrically shocked in order to be put back into rhythm. And then you went out to the field to play. And there's people now that it seems like, you know, Coolio, Coolio went into the bathroom and he died. Um, and so, yeah, there's still people that just have horrible health things and they die uh, from them. But the question now is, are we seeing these type of things because of vaccines and mandates that people want. Are we seeing all these soccer players that are falling over on the soccer pitches? Are they dying because of the vaccine? Uh, are we uh, seeing all these commercials of young people, uh, myocarditis 
you know, where were the commercials for myocarditis when I was growing up? Why are we normalizing something that is a known side effect of the vaccines, especially in young people? We're normalizing and they're saying, oh, well, take this pill and everything will be okay. You don't know that. You don't know what the the stress put onto the heart and the damage was that this is just going to allow this child to grow up. And so I'm starting to get um, a little bit more vaccine hesitant than ever before uh, on this conversation, a little bit more uncomfortable with the people that refuse to um, refuse to have this conversation in a spirited way of just trying to keep an open mind, uh, trying to keep a humble heart. Uh, Terry Bradshaw uh, apparently has already beat two different types of cancers. And you could look at his age and say, okay, well, that could be here or there. But um, uh, you're hearing more stories and talking to this individual, people that get uh, vaccinated, and then all of a sudden cancers that were uh, just cured are coming back at a rapid pace and killing them. Um, Is this the vaccine? Is that what's happening? I don't have the answer. All right. I don't have the answer. And I'm not trying to tell you one way or the other. I'm just sharing that we need to start asking better questions um, and the, the people that are continuing this narrative of go get a vaccine, uh, uh, to me are not, uh, thinking logically and not thinking far enough ahead into the future. I don't think that that is something that they are doing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's evil, uh, or it's, uh, it's a issue of morality. It's just, uh, an issue of having um, deeper thoughts about what's going on. All right. Now, last week, I also said that I was waiting for Elon Musk to release Optimus, his robot. And so he did. And it was a huge disappointment. Um, The prototype that he brought out looked nothing like what he said he was going to bring out the year ahead. Um, The robot did walk, came out on the stage, kind of raised its hands, gave a wave to the people, but it was moving very slowly. And then in the videos of it moving stuff around in the Tesla factory, it was also moving extremely slow. So if uh, we're in the early prototype stage, we got a ways to go. Um, I, he said, oh, it can do a lot more, but we don't want it to fall. Well, then it can't do a lot more, Elon. And then the other part is Elon Musk, his uh, conversation with Jack Dorsey, the former uh, head of Twitter, uh, that came out, his text messages. Somebody got a hold of them and released them. And Elon Musk doesn't look nearly as confident as he does in the newspapers. In fact, he said to Jack Dorsey, look, if me taking over this thing, if I'm making a really boneheaded decision, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words, but if I'm making a dumb decision, would you tell me? And Jack's like, you know, I, I believe in you. Don't worry. It's not going to happen. But yes, I would tell you if you made a bad choice. Uh, but apparently they were trying to get Elon onto the board a year, a year before he ever made that offer. Uh, and the board was not for Elon. So we're seeing where uh, he was brought into that conversation with Jack Dorsey a while ago before. And so that that's an interesting uh, revelation that came out, especially in light of you know people saying that Elon is this genius when it comes to all tech. We saw in those text messages that maybe he's not the genius and he really does rely on trying to get information from a ton of other people and doing what's right. And so that changes the perception of whether he is an ideologue that does what he wants to do or whether he surrounds himself and tries to make informed decisions. 
I think that's interesting, right? All right, and then the CDC, the, the Center for Disease Control, um, you know, they, they, they've changed people's lives so much over the past two years that do they have any credibility at this point left for people to listen to them? Um, the blunder after blunder after blunder, the mixed messages from 2020 until present day, um, I don't think that the CDC has much of a leg to stand on. And as a result, um, they themselves are starting to acknowledge the same thing. Uh, back in August, uh, Walensky said that in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. That's right. It did not. They need to move quickly and reliably. Um, so apparently they've been talking to their staff, trying to figure out how could they do things better? What could they have done better for the next public health emergency? And you know what the, the, <laughs> the response was? It wasn't, uh, you know, get better scientists in, uh, study study more of these things that we think could be wrong in the future so we can give better sound science. Nope, that wasn't it. It was, do what you think is best. Isn't that what got them into this whole mess? Do what you think is best. All right. <laughs> I mean, instead of uh, figuring out the efficacy of a mask long before we needed to possibly mask up or whether or not COVID could stay alive on surfaces. They didn't know what was supposed to happen. They didn't know what to clean with. Instead, they went with, well, we're going to do what we think's best. That's why Fauci originally was like, well, you don't need a mask, right? A mask isn't really going to do much. And then all of a sudden, oh, we got to put a mask on, put two masks on, put three masks on, put masks on when you're in your car and no one else is around you. He didn't say that, but people I think thought that he did. Um, We weren't following science in the communication they were doing what they felt was best and i think that was the problem so the fact that when they start asking their own people well let's do what we think is best no get science to be better figure out what we need to do in order to have sound science for people to trust the cdc yeah i can tell you about 50 percent of this country probably does not trust the cdc at this moment if something were to happen, I don't think that we would be in a good spot. I, I, I actually, I believe that we're not in a good spot. Some other things just I want to put on people's radar. If you haven't had a chance, there was a, a comedian a while back, Jim Brewer. Now, Jim Brewer uh, did stuff with uh, um, Adam Sandler. He was on his album, uh, did a bunch of different uh, movies. Um, and he was kind of known as like the stoner type of uh, comedy. But Jim has basically tossed his personal career aside to speak out about what's going on in the world. And if you haven't had a chance to see his comedy special yet, it's called Somebody Had to Say It, I think it was called. You, you, need, to, you need to watch that. It's, it's also available on YouTube. Um, it really talks about what I'm talking about right now uh, in a way that's really good. Um, and there's also this whole Jimmy Fallon uh <laughs> movement going on with a, a mixed martial arts fighter. I actually reached out to him today. I'm trying to get him on a show uh, to talk about um, basically what's going on with uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Jeffrey Epstein and what he is exposing and whether there's anything to it. So you may find that on a show coming up here 
in just a few more days or weeks. Um, my website's launched finally, americaembolden.com. So you can now go to the website anytime, find all the um, episodes there, as well as some extra information, articles I'm writing on Substack and ways you can support my efforts. Uh, so if you'd like to check that out, americaemboldened.com. Would love to see you hopping over there. Tell me what you think. It's a simple page just to kind of get things done here. Um, I'm very appreciative to the America Out Loud Network and all the other hosts. I'm not telling you not to go there. Uh, but if you want some more content just from me, uh, you can find me there. Uh, that's it for today, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow for another show. Keep your eye on Credit Suisse. Keep your eye on the milkshake theory. Uh, check that out. If you don't get a chance, I'll look below in the, the America Out Loud page today and I will put the uh, YouTube video that explains it pretty well. So you can check that out. All right. That's it for today. I know you had a lot of things you could do, but you stuck here with me. And for that, I'm grateful. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.